You're listening to the Redeeming Grace Church podcast. For more information about our church, go to rgcrc.org. God, thank you for uh, these dear friends, brothers and sisters, and I thank you for the Lord's Day today and uh, just the opportunity that we have to gather and sing your praise and pray to you, knowing that you hear us and, uh, and hear your word uh, proclaimed. Lord, I just ask for your grace specifically in that regard, that uh, the words that I speak today would be your words and that it would be your, your scriptures, your spirit, uh, using the scriptures to, uh, to build us up and to uh, draw us to the Savior. God, we pray that as we just uh, kick around thoughts and insights and um, questions about this chapter, that you would help us understand ourselves better and you and how uh, we can live more faithfully uh, together with you. Uh, we live in a complicated world, and uh, each of us has uh, different uh, perspectives on things and backgrounds. And so it would help us to know how to love one another well and, uh, and be uh, firm on the truth. So, God, we just ask for your grace uh, as we discuss this together and pray that you would, um, that we would sharpen one another and encourage one another in, in the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so chapter two is a bunch of scriptures. Um, what was your, what was your thoughts on that? Did you, did it surprise you how many scriptures there were? Were you surprised there weren't more? Just generally, as you kind of take a take a big big picture look at that chapter, was there was it about what you thought, or were there some things that surprised you one way or the other? Yeah, I was really surprised how many times conscious consciences in the Bible in the New Testament there, because I had. I never really contemplated that. It makes me wonder how many other times it's listed or how many other words are in the Bible that I don't really recognize or like, know that it's in there so many times, but that so much meaning can be found in the Bible on a single word. And it's pretty amazing. I was struck by just thinking about it, that there aren't at least a ton of obvious places in the Old Testament where the word comes up. That was probably the curious point for me um, in trying to think through what, what is the significance of that or how, how does it come up in the Old Testament? I'm still puzzling about that. Would that be because like, Maybe the Holy Spirit has a lot to do with the conscience. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I think that the one thing I was thinking is that the Old Testament, the word for heart is a pretty expansive meaning. And it's likely to be included in, in passages that have to refer to the heart. But, um, but other than that, I'm not really sure why. It's a good question, Jamie. If there's some connection with the Spirit. Yeah, I, I wondered that too. I don't know my Hebrew well enough to know if, if there's just a word assigned to that. Um, like there is for us and seems to be at least for the most part in Greek that there's a, there's a word for that specific 
aspect of us. I wonder if Hebrew doesn't have that. So it has to, it finds expression kind of in other words, like heart or mind or soul, or I don't know. So. Yeah. It's, it's probably there, but it's probably overlaps with, the, <laughs> yeah. with other things. And we, we really don't have a one, one particular scripture that like just clearly describes what it is like just a definition of the contents it's just sort of a uh assumed that we all know it's there and it, it just more talks about what it does mm -hmm. and how to treat it more than actually what it is which is part of what makes it a little mysterious i think mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, the number of times it showed up didn't quite surprise me. It was it was actually nice to see all the different places where it shows up, you know, oh, Romans, Corinthians, Hebrews, Peter, the pastoral letters, Timothy and Titus. So curious that it doesn't show up in the Gospels at all. Not sure why that is, but. Jesus talks a lot about your heart and it's that is kind of mm -hmm. the one note talks about how heart and conscience are kind of synonyms in first John. So I wonder if I don't mm -hmm. know, it's kind of included in here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sarah, are you back? Oh. I'm still here. Sorry, I had to do a few things, but oh. I'm still here. No, no, it's good. Just give me all time. Um, I, you know, on page 35, it says in the Greek text, conscience is the grammatical subject of the verb encouraged or strengthened or emboldened. And then just a little further down, when you embolden your brothers or sisters to disregard their moral consciousness, even if it's misinformed, you are sinning against them by causing them to feel intense guilt since they're misinformed and thus oversensitive moral consciousness condemns them. In that way, you also sin against Christ. So that's really interesting. <laughs> makes, it, makes, it, makes it tricky. Yeah. If you're right, um if they're if they feel like they're sinning against god then they are even if they're in some ways wrong <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but for them to get comfortable with that feeling of transgression transgressing a line is actually a worse situation than them being uh wrong on a minor issue i guess so mm -hmm. that's that's interesting yeah yeah because you also want to flee legalism which is maybe that's so it gets that's where it gets kind of tricky i think yeah
what I'm saying if you're if you feel guilty for like something minor that's sinning against God and kind of being prideful or sinning against God for something that doesn't matter because you're in Christ and it talks about that with Paul like he had a clear conscience at the end of this chapter with not killing or persecuting Christians that yeah we, we talked about that because we were trying to figure out whether that was he was serving the Lord with a clean conscience when he was doing that or whether Christ cleared his conscience like he was cleansed like and so and he was talking about his ministry since then yeah, yeah we were trying to figure out how to take that passage so, but if he did have a guilty conscience for doing that it would be like he's sinning yeah i guess that that's yeah that's yeah, yeah. How did like he, at, in that moment if he felt like he was doing yeah if he was at a, had a clean conscience or if he was yeah how did how did we were just trying to figure out how to make sense of that i mean he must have had a clean conscience doing it <laughs> or i don't know yeah yeah, but like once he was like transformed, once yeah. he was then that's what I was getting at. If he's if he then has a guilty conscience for doing that after he's in Christ and has been freed by Christ, having the guilty conscience of killing Christians previously, yeah, he would then be seen. Yeah, that's yeah, because they're conscience his conscience would be condemning yeah hard to wrap my head around yeah we found it the same it seems like the conscience is more like intuitively discerned than like objective you know like we all kind of probably go oh yeah i understand my conscience i get i get but to kind of like nail it down and define it seems to be a trickier thing. So yeah. it seems like it's more intuitively perceived and understood than like easily defined in a way that doesn't <laughs> have a lot of exceptions or conditions. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know what to make of Paul's there. That's. I do think one of the weird things about conscience, and this is not, has nothing to do with the chapter, but more the experience uh, is when your conscience doesn't bother you on something, but you know it bothers someone else, and they're not there, and you're like, suddenly you're like, huh, what should I do? Like, <laughs> this wouldn't have bothered me at any point, but now I know that someone has raised an issue about this, and now I'm not sure what to do, because I don't know what my conscience actually thinks about that, but I know what someone's conscience thinks about that. Yeah, we have probably inherited some default settings and when those are challenged you're i don't think it's wrong but i you know i can understand where they're coming from or, <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah maybe they have a point i think probably the humble thing is to go is my conscience wrong on this like should i be yeah. more convicted or is there a problem that i'm not convicted I, I actually think that there's a lot of that's a lot of evangelism sometimes is people not realizing their sinful state before god and so in yeah. a sense we're wanting to kind of revive, you know, yeah. stimulate the conscience in a way or, you know, and, and, 
sometimes depending on the person you do that more straightforwardly or more aggressively than at other than others but it yeah. seems like someone who already kind of feels guilty before god there's a lot more gentleness maybe yeah um to kind of go hey that's there's actually something good in that uh, without them pressing their conscience their overly restrictive conscience on someone else Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about that before. The Pharisees, and I don't know if it was purely a conscience issue, but um, so there's this defending of other people's freedom while also not wanting to damage, you know, hey, you feel restrictive on that. We want to respect that. We want to gently try to free you up there, but we're also going to be aggressive that you can't, not, aggr not aggressive, but we're going to be protective that you not press that overly restrictive conscience on someone else mm -hmm. so that's an interesting <laughs> to protect protect someone else from an overly restrictive conscience i do think that's where it's like it, <laughs> i struggle because like if someone's conscience is super like maybe it's oversensitive, but they think like obviously because it's their conscience, they actually think like this is the moral right and wrong, right? Which then you think applies to everyone. And it's really hard, I think, to figure out how to draw those lines. Like where, you know, there's things that aren't clear in the Bible, but then there's some people who would make biblical arguments for something that maybe they feel in their conscience. And maybe someone else would say there's Christian freedom, but they're like, no, this is like a biblical thing. Like, I think figuring out where those things are that you want to work through with people and try to, like, bring them to, like, what the scripture says and where it's like, okay, we need to give freedom can be hard because people have different lines of that, even that. Like, where is it? Um, I don't know. I guess I struggle with that a little bit. Even, like, I would say even in their book when they first did their examples, they kind of have, like, this is obviously... Like, they had a few examples that they actually said, like, this is obviously not in God's, like, moral law that these people both have, like, extra things. And you're like, how are they, like, where do they, like, obviously their conscience doesn't have that in it for them to be determining that, right? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just cute. Yeah, the, the author's conscience is actually shaping his book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I agree largely with him, you know, but I, you know, he is, even as he tries to give examples is saying what's in and out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That people might disagree with. So. Yeah. It's difficult. Sarah, what do you think? Yes. I think yes to all these things. Um, I didn't read the chapter, so I'm listening in now and just yeah. kind of through it but um yeah what you were saying a minute ago just like i don't know the contents like sometimes we don't even know if our conscience is like on point i guess with like what it should be but it does and again we can't like define it really but we know what it is and we know that we have it and it usually helps direct us and it usually calls us out when we're not in the right as far as what it knows so it's just hard to know i think for, okay, I might be like going way off topic, but for me as like a millennial in this day and age, it is a constant battle with my conscience against like, okay, like that's wrong. But then my conscience is like, but is it? And I'm like, I don't know. And so 
I feel like I don't even know my conscience sometimes and that is kind of scary. So but just thank God for scripture and the Bible and prayer and stuff like that outside of just my conscience because it can be a little bit all over the place. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if they address, I don't know if they're going to get to this in the book, but like the relationship between the Holy Spirit and conviction and your conscience because I think there, like, it seems like it's different because your conscience is like something in you and your own moral awareness, but then like it tells you when you do something wrong was kind of similar to like the Holy Spirit convicting you. So I'd be curious to know kind of, I guess what the relationship between those things are and how to discern those even as a Christian, like, Oh, is the spirit convicting me? Is this Mm -hmm. just my conscience? Like, and you're like, Oh, I need to calibrate my conscience or whatever. And Mm -hmm. like you, yeah, I don't know. Or does the spirit always convict you if you go against your conscience? (laughs) Because it does seem like that. It's kind of a biblical principle that you shouldn't go against it, even if it's kind of off. So Mm -hmm. it is still the spirit's conviction. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's interesting because it's like where, I mean, yeah, sometimes it's hard to tell, like, is, if I have the Holy Spirit, why do I even need my conscience? If it can be distracting or deceitful or whatever it can be, like, why don't I just have the Holy Spirit and that's all, but like, what part of it is the Holy Spirit and what part of it is just my thoughts or what I've been taught or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. It's weird to think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you, yeah, you think about like, everybody has a conscience, right? So like a non-Christian has a conscience, but they don't necessarily have the spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's the passage in First or Second Thessalonians where he talks about, he's telling the Christians to not transgress against each other sexually and i think he also then talks about right after that you know you need to work and then if anyone ignores this they're not ignoring men they're ignoring the holy spirit um or god who gives the holy spirit or something like that i can't remember so it's really interesting because he's like he's he's definitely drawing the lines on things that aren't up to personal preference or con different conscience it's like you have to obey these things Yeah, it's interesting because, well, even I think in the first chapter, he kind of talks about, like, the different categories and how your conscience is always captive to the Word of God. And so even if, like, even if your conscience doesn't tell you something's wrong, but you know that that from the Word of God, that you have to obey. But even if the Word of God gives you freedom somewhere, but your conscience is not giving you freedom, then you have to obey your conscience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. I'd be curious to know if there were any particular passages that stood out to folks as particularly helpful in kind of giving a sense for the um, nature of the conscience. I like the one uh, Timothy, one Timothy one five. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and good conscience. Mm. Um, 
Yes. The aim, the aim of our charge is love. I guess that's the basis for a good conscience is that you're acting in love and doing the loving thing. Or is the foundation of a good conscience, I guess. I like that kind of if you're acting in love then that would be considered a good conscience. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's interesting on 42 at the bottom where conscience produces different results for people based on different moral standards. So it's kind of like Melody was saying, um, your conscience is more in tune with your value system. And so depending on where your values lie and where you get those values from, will kind of steer where your consciousness is good and bad. So that's kind of where you have to take a grain of salt to someone else's conscience, maybe being um, a little different than yours because it may be based on something other than the word of God. So I feel like that's kind of interesting because my right and wrong might be different than someone else's. Um, so I thought that was interesting perspective just to kind of put out there that my conscience um, may not be exactly the same as someone else's based on what's really in me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do think that actually if the book gets into some more concrete issues, uh, that'll be the more, it'll get really intriguing to lock in on some of those issues that are particularly uh, controversial or, or yeah. questioned, you know, and disagreed on. Well, I would say even like the, we find the Corinthians passages super confusing and I'm curious to even explore some of those a little more because people always bring up the food sacrifice to idols thing and I've always read it and been so confused because in one place it sounds like it's totally fine but then you there's like other passages where Paul is like you can't eat the you or you can't have the Lord's Supper and eat partake yeah partake of idols they're the table of the Lord and table of idols or whatever and and it, there it definitely seems like a moral like and so I've always been like, what, what is going on? And like, mm -hmm. is it wrong to eat it? But like, if you don't know it's okay to eat it? <laughs> mm -hmm. Or is it like, really, you just have a weak conscience and maybe he's addressing people with a weak conscience who are still eating it, even like against their conscience <laughs> in the other passages? Like, I just, I find that to be super confusing. Somehow it's supposed to be like a clear example, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, on page 40 what the conscience what can the conscience be positively the conscience can be good in the sense of blameless clean clear clean and pure and the conscience can be cleansed that is cleared perfected purified washed purged and sprinkled clean um, and that's huge. I think that I think there's a lot of Christians that haven't yet stepped into that. And I've actually had some conversations with some people that are just so overwhelmed with shame and guilt all the time that I just try to tell them, like, I would love for you to just string like three or four straight days together where you just feel clean before the Lord. Like just 
as as righteous as you have been declared to be. Um, I think that's a much more sustainable and uh, motivation for holiness is this sense of like, I just don't want to be defiled again. You know, I mean, I just don't want to go back to alcohol or pornography or what, like, I just, I like feeling clean. I like, you know, walking in the light. And, and, and so I, um, I think that's an aspect of the gospel that we sometimes forget. Mm-hmm. And then we're, uh, we're motivated by shame and guilt and like, we're going to get caught. Um, as opposed to being motivated toward, uh, in, in the sense of like, I want to, I want to, to, to continue to walk in the light. I want to feel, I don't like having my conscience feel burdened. Um, and so, um, so I found that to be something that sometimes I pray for, or try to point out to folks. Like, I don't, it's not something you can just make, <laughs> make happen in your own heart. I mean, but it is something I think that occasionally it seems like that's something to maybe pray for. Like, yeah, you know, um, help me love feeling clean before you um, more than I love whatever pleasure I would get out of this sin. Um, and that's something we can have and do have in the cross is the sense of feeling, being, wanting to be clean. Sarah, I think actually, like, I think actually related to like youth ministry, that's a big deal. Kids carry a ton of shame and guilt around it. They hide it. They don't even know that they feel that way, but, you know, so much of what they do is to try to cover up either a hurt or a shame or a guilt or whatever. And uh, sometimes that can be a real enticing <laughs> part of the gospel to go, you, you can be clean. You know that, right? You, you can be set free. Mm-hmm. Would you yeah, agree? I would 100% agree. So many involved in youth ministry and especially just with some of the relationships that I've now had for three or four years with girls through Young Life, just they don't quite get that part of the gospel yet because it still is like, they still feel so guilty. They still feel like, you know, God doesn't, God isn't really in the business of um, cleansing them. Like they, they understand that like God loves them and that Jesus died for them. But the fact that they can be cleaned and their, and their sins washed away and like, that their conscience can be cleared because of Christ. Like they don't get that yet. And they dwell on that so much like, well, but I've done this. So like, I don't think I'm quite good enough. I'm not quite there yet. And so they're just missing the grace and that like forgiveness aspects of that. So yeah, that's definitely prevalent in a lot of their thinking. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And we, we talk a lot about, you know, Jesus on the cross, taking our wrath and taking our sin. And that's huge. That's always got to be center. But a byproduct or an aspect of that that sometimes is that you can be made clean. You can, you can be made whole. You are clothed in white garments. You will be, you know, be sanctified. And I don't know, I find that far more motivating. <laughs> that kind of positive pulling me forward into godliness. I find that more motivating in a lot of cases than like the fear of, of judgment. Both, God has both in his tool bag. As any good parent, you have both, <laughs> you have both reward and punishment in your tool bag to try to steer your children along the right path. God does the same thing, but um, I think that's, that's an important reminder that, so anyway, I was meditating on that part there of, of just, it can be cleansed and. Yeah. It's striking how many of the passages in the new Testament are about, or like Paul talking about his conscience being clear and like, 
how he's doing everything with a good conscience. Like, it seemed like a kind of one of the most common things that the word showed up in mm -hmm. was about just him saying how he was operating in a clean, clear conscience. Mm -hmm. And so that, um, that gives us hope that we can, yeah. But that he's not all, he's also says elsewhere that he's also not the ultimate judge of himself, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So he does, at least in a couple places, kind of go, you know, it's possible I could be wrong. I won't, you know, I won't be the final arbiter, but to the best of my ability, I think I'm walking rightly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big thing. And obviously we're still sinful, but like yeah. we can still walk with yeah. like that peace and yeah. I don't know. What was the, cause, yeah. So he gives a definition after all of these. Where does he give his definition? Oh, on 42. The conscience is your consciousness of what you believe is right or wrong. I guess my question is, um, I realize we should get going, but I, does, that, does that seem like a good definition? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know that so, I can do better. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't quite feel like. Oh, okay. You know, it doesn't take away all the mystery, I guess. But it. I don't know that yeah. I can do better. So. My rule of thumb, or the rule of thumb, is you don't use the same word in the definition you're trying to define or the word find. So you use consciousness and the definition of conscience, which doesn't. Yeah. Question. It also doesn't explain why you have consciousness in the first place. So I feel like it's only kind of a partial definition. Yeah, yeah. It's a awareness or sense, which kind of defines it better. It's definitely interesting too, because it's like it's a set your sense of of what you believe, but then it does so much stuff that you're like, it's not yeah. just your right. <laughs> It judges you. It like tells you when you're going against it. Like yeah, <laughs> that's what I I, th I definitely think that actually they go on to say that their definition has some noteworthy implications. So obviously they think there's a bunch of stuff that fits into their definition that I don't think actually is there. Um, <laughs> but in the next three points they fill it out a lot more. You know they get that handy chart on 43, which I thought was really actually interesting and helpful um, talked about it as a guide monitoring witness and judge which I thought all those functions were not really clear in their definition yeah yeah the guide you know it's like I, I can't go to that event with you or whatever because I just know I'll be miserable like I just doesn't feel right to me I can't exactly say why but it, you know, um, and then, yeah, it can look backwards and kind of go, re I really shouldn't have gone to that or participated in that or something. Yeah. It's, it, it's, I guess two things come to mind. I don't know if these are right or wrong necessarily, but I think maybe the thing we have to be careful with the conscience is because the voice sounds so similar to the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, it's that um, <clears throat> it's worth dealing with a little bit of your conscience being a little off target 
you don't lose that sense of the Holy Spirit because they, you know, uh, that conviction, um, I guess what you then have to do is the, the ability to distinguish between and an off-target conscience and the Holy Spirit must be the word of God then, right? I mean, um, yeah. So I think whenever I think whenever we're feeling guilty or or we're kind of confronted like why am I not feeling guilty? Maybe my conscience should be. I, I think it's that's probably where we need to know the scriptures well and be able to go. Okay, how strong is the biblical argument either for or against which other side I'm on, and then maybe to whatever to whatever extent the strength of that argument is from the Bible, maybe how how tightly I should hold that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, you know if it's like. You know, this is a man. Scripture is just really, really clear. You know, that you know adultery is wrong. Um, okay, I need to, I need to maybe hold that one pretty strictly, right? Yeah. Um, but if it's like, I don't know, a, a, let's say a tattoo or something like that. Like, well, you know, whether you wherever you're at on that, I'm not not saying I feel one way or the other, but I just, uh, you know, you could go. I don't feel right about this, but I, it, it's like I don't feel right getting one myself, but I'm gonna not have an issue there with someone else so um and then it, it seems like i've just been meditating some on joy like just how much joy is a motivator for us and when your conscience feels violated you just don't have joy like you know i wouldn't have any fun at that party anyway like even if it wasn't wrong to go i just wouldn't you know so um so maybe that's part of our we gently try to free people up because you know actually there's more there's more of life that you're free to enjoy um but I don't want to push you. Like, I don't want it to, I don't want that to feel sinful. I don't know if that makes sense, but Mm -hmm. maybe joy is part of a motivator in this. Mm -hmm. Our conscience should be violated when we find joy in things that really are actually sinful. And maybe we try to gently uh, open our, so that we can enjoy more of what God has made. I don't know that freedom and joy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. All right, we should probably close. I know this is just skipping across the top of the water here, but um, it's a good conversation, so. Yeah. All right, guys, thanks for making the time. We'll see you in a few minutes. Sounds good. Thanks bye. for, thanks for jumping on. Okay, bye. Thanks, guys. Yep, see ya. Thank you for listening to the Redeeming Grace Church podcast. For more information about our church, go to rgcrc.org.